Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have a legend of a guest. It is John Hutchinson. Now, Johnny Boy Boxing, he's down at Tiger Muay Thai. He is the head boxing coach of Petra Young, Anatoly, uh, Fabricio. You're my, well, we have our Brazilian producer here, Galjo. Go check him out in the Mundo Podcast. Um, what's funny is, you're going to watch this. I've shaved my head. I got a new shirt on. We messed up the original intro with Johnny Boy. So this is that intro probably a couple weeks later. Um, so if you're watching this podcast, we hope you enjoy. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And by the way, Fruiting Body, who are we? We are a medicinal mushroom company located in the island of Phuket. So go check us out. We got all this fantastic stuff. What a very descriptive, awesome. Okay, without further ado, Johnny Boy Hutchinson. Um, all right, John, let's get uh, started right away. Um, as we do in the Fruiting Body podcast, we want to understand your story. Uh, where did you grow up and what connected you to coming to Thailand and what you're doing here? So take us back to a young lad in Ireland, John Hutchinson, five years old in Ireland. Tell us a little bit about your life story and what actually brought you here. Um, growing up in Ireland, we had a great uh, lifestyle, you know, good family. It was Ireland was beautiful. It was like countryside, old days, playing football on the bikes, like, just normal kids. Uh, I got there about 15. I wanted to start to roam a bit, you know. I was only young and travel was something I always wanted to do. I used to go from back to England to my family and uh, came back. I was always into sports. I played football, a lot of football. Uh, my uncle got me into a bit of judo when I was younger. And then I, I went to boxing with my brother I was about 13, but I didn't stay at it. Just went young age, moved away. And then about 18, you know, that youth kind of age, you're kind of like going out, not disciplined, you know. Trying to find yourself. Yeah, just find myself. Just move that up a little bit. Just find myself a bit. And uh, one of my friends, God rest him, came back from America. He was good at boxing. He took me to the boxing gym, like, and it was a proper workout. And I remember doing the warm-up. I was like, whoa, I'm out of shape. I was like, at 18, it didn't feel good. And from then on, I was like, I've got to get fit. And then two weeks later, I was fighting. And the coach was like, come on, let's go, let's fight. That time, I was living like uh, on the, the border of Ireland, Northern Ireland. And I was kind of like fighting over the border. And it was like a bit of a rivalry. So I always remember the buzz from it. And I just remember like my chest, everything was on fire. Like the fitness I had to have for boxing. I was like, whoa, I gotta I gotta step my game up here. And uh from there on I just went traveling then. I remember I wanted to get more serious. Um I went to England and then I started training in England over there and working. I was still in construction at a young age, like, you know, I, I was always I left school early, I was always in This is still kind of like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. I le I was like a breakaway kid. I left school like 14, I wouldn't go to school. Like my, I remember my mother going, you got to go to school. And uh, it was, you know, every year you get a new uniform. It was my old uniform. I remember, like, burning it in front of her. She thought it was my the new one she bought me. And I remember walking to in the house and, boom, the frying pan over the head. <laughs> <laughs> you little whatever, you know. And uh, I just said, please, I don't want to go to school. And she's like, look. You have to get a job. I'm not letting you leave school. And I remember going off on a like a little BMX, and 
She thought nobody was going to give me a job, but I got in the construction. I was only about 13, like bricklaying. And I stayed at it, and she used to take the money off me every week and put it into a savings. She goes, you're not getting a penny of this, like, because you're missing out in your school, you know. My dad was all in construction there, all work, 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 you know. And then uh, I started to set up my own, like, little company. And I started to do really good. It was like a... The Celtic Tiger, I don't know if you heard of it in Ireland, no. it was like a big boom in Ireland, like houses undestructed. They couldn't get workers, like, like we're traveling up and down the country, we're making good money. And I was only young, I started to do very good, and uh, I was in the sports, like, I was playing football every weekend, I was uh, amateur boxing, I was like really fit, like, and uh, there was about five of us, and we're. On the building sites in Ireland, there was, like, snow, minus four. It was freezing. We couldn't feel our fingers. Like, we're like, let's book a ticket to Australia, guys. Let's go travel. And um, I remember all we talked about. We can't wait to get to Australia for the warm weather. What, what age were you at around? I, I was uh, 18, 19. Okay. I was just started out on my own at 18. It was, like, one year and did. And... Um, we booked the tickets to go to, to Sydney. It was like May. All we talked about every day was going to Australia. But we stopped off in Phuket for five days on the way. So when I, we flew in, there was five of us. And when I landed, we, we landed in Batong. And I was just like the, the, the lads kind of thing out. Spraying, like, wow, this place was crazy. Like what, what year was that? It was 16 years ago. What year was that? Oh, 2010, was it? When was oh, it? Uh, probably 2008. Yeah, yeah, six, yeah. But, uh, and uh, I remember landing. I was like, wow, this place is crazy. It was rainy season in May. And I was like, I want to live here. I was just saying that. I remember saying to my friend, I'm going to come back here. I love this place. But I, I was also training. Like, I was running the beach in the morning. And we had a little gym in the, the hotel. I go, wow, it's a lovely lifestyle here. And then uh, I went to Australia just to, to travel. And I started getting back into boxing there. But the, the boxing over there that time wasn't great, like, compared to what we were doing back home. And uh, I remember my father was working over in Qatar, Doha. And he called me up. He says, let's go to Doha. He goes, I've got you a good job. It was really good money. Like, So I was like, okay, I flew to Qatar. And I just knew it wasn't for me. I didn't want to work no more. I was like, this money was great. You sh I can't remember what I was getting. It was crazy. What type of work was it there? Construction. Like, but we're just more or less like looking over. Like, there's uh, the employer heap of like employer, and you just watch over guys. But it was big hours, and uh, I remember flo flying back to Ireland. It was at Christmas time, and. Uh, I was like to my mom, I don't want to go back. I just want to go and get fit and box full time. And I had money saved up. And I came to Bucat for like six months in railway. I was 20, 23, I think. 22, 23. And then I started to fight over here about the, the headgear and all, you know. It was like before I went pro. Uh, but it, it was just mainly to get fit. And then I thought, this is it. This is all I'm going to do is train. When I came out here, I was just training every day. But it lacked good boxing, if you know what I mean. I flew back to England, put my head down. I went to a place in uh, Wales, the bottom of England, like outside of it. It was uh, Tony Borg's gym where Lee Selby and all the, the Welsh champion and all was that time. 
that gym was old school. Like the hardest of guys, like they traveled all over the UK just to spar there. Like that's where like boys became men, you know. Mm-hmm. Like and they accept the men, took men, and I was under the radar because I've been traveling away for a long time. I got this phone call up. It's like, uh, I have a fight here for you in UK in two weeks. You need to get a license out ASP, like. So I took out uh, an English license because I was over there. No, sorry, yeah, and uh, Irish license. I called up and got it done at home. But when I went to fight, it was just two days before, they go, no, you have to have an English license. At that age, it was like, I think it was about £1,500 for brain scans and medicals and license. I was like, nah, I'm not changing it. The fight was small money. I go, I'm going to keep that money and get a ticket to America. So I, go, I flew back. And uh, next thing, I was back in Ireland. I was back for about a week and... Um, in my head, I was going to go to America. So I'd been training. I'd been sparring the best in the world. And uh, I got a phone call from a guy, Leonard Gunner. It was like boxing Ireland, like a big boxing promotion. He goes, John, are you in Ireland? I said, yeah. He goes, would you fight um, this fighter? Uh, he's Irish champion, Darren Cruz. Like, he fought in the press. I was like, a guy you don't fight on your debut. Mm-hmm. He says, John, you're getting paid to lose here. Like, this is, you got to win, like. And uh, to be fair, that day, it was like a bank holiday August uh, weekend in Ireland. And the sun was shining. And when the sun comes out in Ireland, like, everybody goes out. And I was young and I was going to America. We were out, like, we are having a few beers and stuff. And then I was like, yeah, of course, I'll take it. I'll take the fight. It was okay. Call me back tomorrow and I'll have a good think about it. And I went back to my mom and I said, I've got a fight in a week's time. It's a hard fight. She goes, you'll be all right. Take it. And uh, that fight was a game changer from there on for me because when I went down, like, from amateur boxing to, like, I was in the Castle Barn, Mayo, it was, like, live on TV, it was packed. Like, the the jitters kicked in a bit. I was like, whoa, I'm here now. And I had a big crowd followed me up. I'll never forget it. I walked in in the ring and just, like, stage fright from a guy getting paid to take your head off from amateur boxing. He came lunging. And uh, it didn't go good for me in the first round. It was a six-round fight for my first fight. You only meant to do four, but I had to accept it and take the fight. I came back, and I was, like, in a, a downer. Like, I was like, whoa. I didn't even have a coach. It was a guy that coached me. It was called John Breen, a famous trainer in Ireland, stepped in for me. That guy's changed everything, about, even the way I coached him. He changed my life. Like, he goes... Uh, John, wake up. They call you, son. Wake up, son. Wake up, son. Wake up. Listen to them. They're here to see you win. Get out there, like, and move. And I went out. I had an old bad round. I was like, wow, just like, my debut's going the wrong way. And then he's this, this guy came out, the corner man, and just slapped me across the face. He goes, wake up, son. Wake up. Look at this guy. And I didn't look, and he slapped me. He goes, this guy's laughing at you. And I looked. He was laughing, like, in the chair just lifted me and I went out and I pushed him back for every 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 round I won the fight and I was like wow I'll never be unfit again and from then on I just got more serious and that was it this boxing career started to take off for me um just a quick shout out to uh five star marine five star marine's been helping uh support this podcast they're basically just kind of 
covering our bills so we can operate. And I'm not out of pocket every other month, but go check them out. They are a, uh, it's like a VIP uh, speedboat tour company on the island of Phuket. Um, They're doing some great stuff. If you don't want to deal, you know, with the typical salesmen selling you speedboats and taking you to where you don't want to go, these guys are the ones that are going to give you that private tour. So links in the description. Check that out. Uh, in England, messing about in MMA gyms, always got in there. But, uh, you know, there was a good gym over there where Leon Edwards and I was training. Is that? I thought he's in Birmingham, no? Birmingham, that's where I was. Like. Okay. So I remember doing a bit of work with him years ago, sparring and boxing. And then uh, they go, here, I'll show you some work on the ground. I just remember, if these guys get you on the ground, just run. Hit yeah. and run. Don't even play with them. Well, I think that's like, with, oh, <laughs> you okay, Gaucho? That looked like pain. He just smashed his head off the the uh, shelf. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Rod Tang fought Demetrius Johnson, it was kind of, you know, they did that like uh, one championship yeah. where they mixed it all together. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like the second he's going to get taken down by Demetrius, it's pretty much over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's what, diff- yeah. When you um had had this first fight, I mean, I'm assuming if there's any gambling going on, you're probably, what, a 10-to-1 underdog at that yeah. point? Yeah. W- is that quite... Uh, rare for someone even in your position, your debut to even excel that fast in, as a career in boxing? Uh, uh, boxing is very corrupt. Not corrupt, but it's like who you know. Like, you know, at the start, you, you, you got to know people. You got to be able to sell tickets. If not, it's going to be a hard. You could be the best fighter in the world and only sell 10 tickets. You're, you're going nowhere. You could be an average fighter, but sell, put people on seats. You're gonna, you're the guy going places. Mm-hmm. It's all about how much you can make the promoter, you know. And I soon learned that out. I didn't have nobody guiding me, and um, I always just had like, like John Breen became very close to me after that. Like he was a guy that I always looked up to. He always put me in the right way, you know. I, I, for me, I like traveling. It was hard for me to stay there. I was traveling. Two hours every day on a coach to train with him and two hours back after training. And I was running my own like um, own little boot camps and gym for money. I had a small little gym in Ireland and it was hard. Like, but I loved every minute of it. Like, I wouldn't be here today if mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it. And I would never change a thing. Like, what, what, at which point did you kind of make the decision to stop boxing professionally and why? Uh, I, I was loving, uh, like, I always, to this day, I love boxing. Like, I love it. And uh, I was over, it was my last fight. It was five years ago. I was 32. I was in uh, this, um, Sydney. I was fighting over there. I was fighting a guy called Craig Park. I think he represented Sydney in the Olympics or something. And same thing. It's like the home fighter. But it was St. Patrick's Day. And it was a big crowd there for me. And uh, this fight, I, I th- it might be on my uh, podcast or on my uh, Instagram, if you look. They cut the round, 13 seconds short. I, I dropped him. I think it was the second round. I didn't even know. And he was still on wobbly legs. And then, ding, ding, they go, oh, there's a problem here with the timer. It's like 13 seconds left. That's how crop boxing is. Mm-hmm. I, I got a draw that day, and the place booed. Like, but I absolutely put this guy... Like, should have been an easy win. But there was an old Frank Warren fighter on the show, and I remember seeing the comments saying, this poor guy flew 24 hours from the UK and just got robbed. Like, you know, it, it can destroy a boxing man's career. 
Um, like there was, there was no like excuse. No, and the day before, I knew like my father wasn't well. Like, but I just you put it in the back burner, you know, like for the just to get on with the fight. And then when I I jumped on the plane, I was coming to Thailand straight after the fight because I was kind of like basing myself here and going back and forward. I remember getting off the plane Thailand. Then I was like all these missed calls and messages, like, my father passed away, I was like, oh, so I had to fly back, and then I spent a couple of months in Ireland then, and I didn't really get back into um, uh, full-time training, it, it took me a wee while, I came back to Thailand, and um, I started to get back into fitness, and t- Tiger said to me, Tiger Muay Thai, they're like, uh, could you help out a bit with the uh, boxing classes when you're here? And I go, yeah, of course. There used to be a, an oar coach here, Sam Baston. So I started to help him. Like within, I would sp- say a space of a week or two, people was calling me coach. And I was like, well, I'm not a coach. Like I'm just helping out a bit. And it, it went on from there. Next Wh- what year was that around when this was starting? This was uh, five years ago when I last fought. So what are, what are you? I, I, you live here so, so long, I don't you forget even what year it is now. 2018, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's on the guard. Um, anyways, uh, this went on from there. I wasn't a coach. In my head, I wasn't a coach. Even though I'd I done a bit of like PTs and boot camps for money, but fighting was always in my head. I, I didn't want to be a coach. Um, but then it got serious. I was like, somebody was telling me, like, oh, I, how many PTs are done? I was thinking, these guys don't work. I go, I remember being in construction. I was like, that's work. Like, and then go to a gym and train. I go, I'm going to beat this. I think it was like 37 PTs I've done in one week. Uh, it's still the record in Tiger. It was meant to be 38 and somebody pulled out on me. That's like over six PTs a day. I'm teaching guys how to hit. Like, your arms are hanging. You know, and I, I was just hungry. And to this day, it hasn't changed. Like, I'm forced in that gym or last out, and I just, I love what I do. But at the start of the career, I, I didn't think I'd get to where I was at. At the start, it was a finding out. And then I remember saying, you know, the coach was telling you about John Brain. He trained five world champions. I go, I'm going to beat that. And uh, when I think about it, like, Coaching, I was maybe about four years full-time, like, find my way. I, I've already been in four world title fights. I've won three world title fights. I've trained numbers of UFC champions and uh, one championship champions, you know, and I, I believe I'm only just warming up in this game. I, me and Anatoly said 2022, warm-up. 2023, it's history time. You're taking over now. Taking over. <laughs> so, I mean, then you have uh, Makayev as well. Yeah. So he's probably looking, he's trying to, I mean, that's kind of the word in that community. He's going to try to do a belt run by the end of the year of 23, right? I, I don't even believe there's, there's not even going to try. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's uh, definitely going to happen. The UFC is behind him. It, it's history time. Uh, there's nothing stopping this kid. He's so hungry. It's kind of like holding him back. It's like taming a lion. The In, yeah, well, we touched upon that, like in our initial intro, um, that some of the fighters you're training, you got Fabricio, you got Petrian, you got Anatoly, you got Makayev. Is there any uh, world champions that maybe, or people that you're training that people might not be aware of? 
Uh, I kind of keep, uh, like I do some small, like maybe once or twice or guys, but I just have a small group. It's very hard, like, for, um, to do four fight camps is a lot, like, you know, it's not just, like, just to be there for one PT. It's, like, to be there to sparring, to do the sprints, to organize the conditioning, to organize the kicking, to come up with a game plan. Like, for example, last night, I went to bed and I was planning fight camps. And I knew this morning I had to be up at 5 o'clock. And I try not to wake my wife, like, you know, like when the alarm goes, I bounce out of bed fast so she, she can get stay on to sleep. So I mustn't have put my phone on silent or something last night and I, I passed out. It was like early half 10 in bed and my phone must have went off. I think it was like 1.15. I didn't know at the time. I jumped out of bed, turned the phone off. In the shower, opening my eyes like a cold shower, and then I went down just started to make a coffee. And I looked at the phone, quarter past one. I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back to bed. Yeah. Then I mean, wide awake after a cold shower. But that's coaching, like, and that's what we love, you know. And uh, nobody's gonna work us. Like we're gonna keep pushing and pushing. Are you just focused at Tiger? That like the boxing coach of these, you know, superstars and and future fu- superstars, or are you also doing PTs with, um, you know, randoms coming through the gym as well? Yeah, I, I do. So like, I have um, two coaches under me now. We just took in like a Russian young coach, very good, very like Russian style, good feet work. Does it? Does good boxing program at Tiger. We have a kind of guy that's more building his way up at the beginner level, you know, at the start of his career. The guys had out with all the beginners. like So we have the beginners, we have the fighter, the intermediate. We, we have a program steady every day now, like half 10 to half 11. Now we've added a few more classes. I believe in the future that we'll have two classes a day. We're, we're building something really good here at the minute. Before you, you came, I mean, I'm, I'm, like you were saying, there still was boxing. West, they would call it... they. Tiger usually calls it Western style boxing. Yeah, yeah. Now, before you became the head boxing coach, yeah, was that program really structured at a championship level, or can you take some credit for really taking it to the next level? Yeah, but um, I all we also have to stand. Tiger is like for the the people that can come and go. Oh, I want to train the likes of PD and all. We, we have to keep it also for the beginners, you know. So, but don't get me wrong, some days we come to that class, it's like, it's getting tense, and the beginners are like, wow, they know what it takes to be a fighter. So now we're building a program twice a day. We're having the fighters at night. So hopefully in the future, that's my goal. Mm-hmm. i say uh, it, it's good now. Like COVID was a bit hard. Nobody, there wasn't hiring people. I c- we couldn't do what we were planning. But now Tiger's moving like, phew. Right direction is a real. There was a total rebuild this year. Like you know, the the old crew left. Um, there's new coaches coming in now that wasn't working, but now finally they've just got a team. It's like shelled. Like everybody's yeah, getting sometimes on. Sometimes with um, uh, we'll call it the current situation or the past situation, the s- the scamdemic. <laughs> um, sometimes with that stuff, maybe you know, there's a, a silver lining that it kind of cleaned out the fat and trimmed it up to, you know, that lean meat of what's going to make that machine run at Tiger, which is just going to take it again to another level. Yeah. I I believe that the way they're going, 
it's, it's, they're only warming up. Next year is a big change. They've took a new coach. The mat is packed. as like real monsters on that mat last night. I was there, and it was like there was no space. Um, I believe they'll expand in the future. Not not only just Tiger now. Tiger, the whole Buket's opening up. You've got new gyms. You've got here in Bangtou, uh, Southside MMA. Like before, when MMA fighters come, they had one or two gyms. Buket top team, Tiger Muay Thai. AKA. AKA. Yeah. Now they have a chance. They go, okay, I'm going to Buket. I want to go work with this guy, or I want to go to Bangtou to, to work on this. Or They have an option. So more and more fighters seem to come now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's very good for the MMA community and boxing as well. Yeah, I've, I've had that talk with the, the Bangtou guys, the you know, Woody and Alex and Frank yeah. and George. And once they came up here, they're like, what the hell was I doing at Shalong? And I'm sure when you go out and you meet those guys, they probably play that game to you. Like, why aren't you up at Bangtou? Yeah. Do, do you see yourself or any of those teams? Would you ever consider moving up here? Uh, no, it's too hard for me. Like, uh, I have a house now in Shillong, and um, my wife's sh- from Shillong. Her family lives in Shillong, you know, and uh, it's too hard. Um, the guys are doing amazing things, you know. I'll always help them if they need it, or if I need help, if needed, it's vice versa, you know. Uh, they're, they're my old team, you know. It's still com- the community, still. It's the camaraderie, yeah, still. Yeah, it's a community. Yeah. But uh, they're doing great things. So the whole Phuket's like on the up for the fighting scene now. It's great to see. Yeah, I just saw, I think Ty, Ty Emery, she just fought, but she kind of was showing what was going over on at Southside MN- MMA. Yeah. Um, I think Nat Wonder Girl's over there now. I see that. So, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they, and they pretty much just came on the radar, what, a yeah, month ago, right? It's just opening up. It's a nice, small little facility. It's clean. It's tidy. They're, they're doing good things. It's good. As I say, it's like very good option to have for people. Now, there's a new coach went there, I think. Um, what's his name now? Coach DJ Jackson or something. He's meant to be fairly good as well. So, wow, that's an option to go there. It's an option to go anywhere they want. Yeah, I mean, and it allows. So, like, Darren Till was here. Yeah. And um, uh, Brennan Lotnane was here. Yeah. But it allows them, and, and Fazeev is here. The, yeah. It allows them, they can be training with, you know, s- strength and conditioning with Woody at Bangtow. Yeah. They're doing some MMA over at Tiger. And, yeah. you know, they can, I think Darren was training over at, at uh, South Southside as yeah. well. Um, the gyms, the, like, let's say the internal politics within the gyms and the gym owners, are they okay with that? Is there yeah. any issues? I think they're starting to more ease off. You know, yeah. maybe at the start it was a bit of, um, like, not tip for tap, but it was like, oh, this guy's sitting here. But now they've, like, just eased up a bit. For example, like I was doing work with Brendan. I was doing a striking, and um, he was working with Woody and the guys in Bangtou. Yeah, they were still training the Tiger. Same as Darn Till. I was helping Darn Till, and uh, he was doing his training at Bangtou. It worked out good. You know, it's as I say, it's really good for these guys as long as the, the, the gyms are happy with that, and there's no problems. Yeah, I'm, and the fighters, if they decide to go to the gym, I mean, the, like, they the owners of the gym can't really make that decision. Uh-huh. Hey, you can't go there either. Yeah. I, I notice a lot of them, they... Not too many kind of make their way over to AKA. And when I, I've had Mike Swick on, but he kind of explained to me that the branding behind that's more for like, you know, the average person to come yeah. in and, and that's their, their branding on 
the other side of things, when you talk to your fighters coming through the gym, do they explain why they don't really make their way over there? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Me thinking that I can't really say it because I haven't trained there, but you'd look on the website, you think, what well, fighters is there? And then you look on the website, what well, fighters is a Tiger? You're like, I know where I want to go. Like, I want to yeah. be with the best. If you want to be the best, you want to train with the best. Uh, I'm not saying that about AKA, like, but if you go there, it's probably just your average get fit guy or something at the minute. So maybe that's their market. Yeah, no, that, I mean, and that's from Mike Swick's mouth. He was here. He explained yeah. that. So not trying to stir anything up, but I've yeah. always, that's from his perspective. So I've always wondered the, from these other gyms, what are their perspective of there? I mean, Martin, yeah. Marvin Vittori was there last yeah. week. I think Johnny Walker was there. I think yeah. he's married to an Irish girl. Now, yeah, he is. Right? Yeah. yeah. Don, I think Donegal too, where I'm from. Okay. Because uh, I remember seeing the pictures. It was okay. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, I want to, you're training some major superstars and all of them are in their prime, which as a coach that puts you directly into your prime coaching years as well. And, yeah. um, but at least that can expand. And I mean, that's the interesting part of a coach. I mean, you can yeah. coach right up until you're 50, 60. Um, guys like Petri Yang, when he first came on the scene, he is regarded as probably one of the best boxers in all the UFC. Um before you started working with Petra Young, was he still considered high-level boxing, or were you able to take his game to another level? Uh, like, Peter always had a strong boxing background. It was amateur boxing style. I, I just believe when we started working with Peter, it was just, like, settling him down, getting him hitting harder and moving a bit more swifter, and that's all we're done with Peter, like, just small details, you know? Um I believe if Peter start doing full boxing camps again, he'll be back to one of the best in boxers in the UFC, no doubt about it. Yeah, what do you think's next for him? Because right now it's a bit silent because there's so much going on. Like, Al Germain seems like he's fighting Cejudo. Yeah. Um, and then uh, O'Malley, oh, what did I say? Oh, I saw a funny, a funny chirp from Cejudo on O'Malley the other day. It was pretty good. Yeah. O'Malley said um, something along the lines, hey, I want to fight Patty Pimblett in <laughs> in the O2. And then Cejudo's like, well, the judges are going to have a lot of trouble there. Who's going to win that one? Yeah. Gr great that. chirp. Yeah. But um, what what do you think is next for Peter Young? Is there anything uh, on the horizon that people aren't aware of that you can share? I think for Peter now, he's, uh, he's just took his family over from Russia. He's having a bit of family time. He's building his fitness up. Uh, 2023, you're going to see him back. And uh, now he's just like rebuilding. He's going to change a few things, try new things, and find his way. And once he gets that up, his manager side will look for a fight, and there'll be any fight there for him. I th like, as a fan as well, um, camera's okay. Oh. Yeah, but this this is okay. You can I couldn't zoom in, but, oh, okay. but you can crop it later. It's ah, that's okay. okay. No yeah, we, we have a we have a guest producer today. Mm. Hans is in South Africa. We got Gaucho in the house. He's got the Nomundo <laughs> podcast. Um, so for me as a fan, Pet, uh, Petra Young fighting, I think they just need to rematch him with Sean O'Malley because I tr I think he won the fight. And I don't think he looked as good as he usually does. So I was a bit surprised. Now, Sean O'Malley, you got to give him credit. He definitely took it to him. It was an excellent fight. I don't think he won. Does that make fight make sense to you? Uh, yeah, of course. It's, that fight has to happen right. again. It has to happen again. And uh, it's like, 
redemption, but I do believe that you'll see you haven't seen the best PD on there. Like that was a guy that was took time off, came into a short camp like seven weeks to get ready. It wasn't in condition. It it was just rebuilding a new like team, new kickboxing coach. Everything was all new. So you haven't seen the best of PD on. I believe like. The right fight, one good fight. I'd love to see him fight somebody like Rob Font. Somebody could stand up and box a bit, get his boxing going, and then go have a fight. Like the both of them guys over Marie match, like Aljamain was a Marie match, um, Pudo was a Marie match. There's loads of big fights there for him. Like, yeah, I mean, even for me again, the German Aljamain one. I think he won that that fight as well. Everyone kind of puts the coin flip on the first round and come on. He had, he might've not won on the striking, but in terms of cage control and what he was doing, he, he controlled that first round yeah. and the other round, there was only that one round where it looked like he almost got choked out. But then the next round, he kind of just rolled on his back in a, in a triangle, like body lock. And yeah. he didn't really do much. Uh, and this, uh, the last two fights, that's took a lot out of Peter. Also, you know, you got to think, wow, what what's happening with the UFC here? It's like it knocks your confidence a bit. Like he's got a like a long rebuild again and think and um be matched fairly. And I I believe he'll have the belt again. Yeah, and I'm I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Like I think there's some shady shit going down with the UFC and kind of anti-Russian fighters. I mean, look at the Ankalaya fight. Yeah. Come on, that's a draw. Are you on crack? Like, yeah. there's no way that fight's a draw on any card. I just like to know, like, what are they saying to these judges? It's um, it's 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 very strange. Yeah, Peter Young. It's it's almost like if you're Russian and it's even close at all, it's going to a draw. You're not winning. You're never getting the advantage. Yeah, it's uh, this war is not helping them. You know, that's what I think. Yeah, it's I honestly not think. Helping them. Um, you know, even there was a, a guy trained in Tiger. I got him a boxing fight here. It was in Thailand. And when I give him his passport for his details, he's not always no, Russian. I won't do it. Like, so it's not kind of fair on them. You know, it, it's not their problem. The war, it's only one guy causing yeah. that, but it doesn't help. Definitely doesn't help. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that's after that Ankalaya fight, that's kind of, that sealed the, sealed it for me. The conspiracy theory. I'm like, Okay, something doesn't make sense right here. Like this yeah. is a bit strange. Um, so recently, you got the the, the double champ Anatoly. Yeah. Um, working with him up into that camp, he had to cut down to light heavyweight. Can you talk a little bit about that camp and that experience? Um, this this camp was as as every camp you have ups and downs, little niggles and injuries, but it was great. I I, I believe he's a natural light heavy. Look at the power he has. Like he didn't lose the power. First time on a strict diet, it's like it was a bit like. Um, What's he cutting to two o five? Yeah, it cut like fifteen kg. You know, it was a but lot. In one is light heavyweight two o five. It's uh, one o two, one o two kg. Yeah, kg. Oh, so that's got to be two twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so um, one o two, but it, it done it comfortable. I, I believe with the right diet and this one, you could go to ninety. You could go down a weight, but. I do not want the guy to lose his power, but at being Anatoly, he wants to make history and go down it Jeez. again. Like, could you imagine the power of him at that weight? You know, that would be what kind of weight? I mean, but that might it's, take it's him. I, I don't want it for him. I, that would know. probably take him a year to like comfortably. 
yeah. get down there. No? Of course. And the, the trouble is, it's all, you can't yo-yo these weights. You can't go up and down. you got to stay the way. It's like now, his next fight's going to be uh, heavyweight again. I would have loved to seen him do one more light heavy and get stable that weight. And maybe bounce back up to heavy then for one. Uh, make the... Make the so-called chicken wait for him the way he did, like yeah. Know? But I think this fight will finally happen this year, and uh, it's history time. Yeah, it's got to be hard to to go up to heavy and then come back down. I mean, yeah. like guys like John Jones, he's going to heavy. He's he'll never see him back at light heavy. He's put on yeah. too much like real muscle mass. Yeah. So what's he when he's dieting and he's doing that weight cut? It is it's pure diet and like Just water diet, a water uh, cut. We train old school. We um. There's no real heavy lifting, wrestling, boxing, old school boxing, shoulder training, running, sit-ups, a lot of running. You do not see, like, uh, heavyweights run. You never see it. They don't like running. I remember at the start, I had Anatoly sprinting, like, with bandweights, and maybe no brave. Like, this guy is the fastest heavyweight on the planet. Like, he can run. He's got power on him. Like, uh, he's one of the, the best guys in energy you could ever asked to train like powerful you know is the the muay thai mentality with running is i mean that's what they do they can do 5 10k a, a day the boxing community and the muay thai community in terms of endurance and the training for running is it very similar yeah we cut out the long runs sprints with short sprints we have a sprint program for all of these guys uh sprints is a big thing that I work on on every camp, you know, and uh, it's, it's the time and speed is power, like when speed lands on a punch, doof, it's a shot you don't see coming. Now, finally now, if Anatoly it's just setting in, I believe he's only warming up. Like three fights ago, he was a wrestler. He, he didn't box. and Three camps together, three knockout bonuses, 50,000, 100,000, 100,000. It's history. The guy is the most hardest hitter on the planet. Like, Yeah, he's, he was looking. He's not overextending. And then when he kind of tells, like, he, he, he from what I saw in those fights, yeah. once he tells he's kind of caught you stunned, he just goes in for the uh, kill. Yeah. And it's done. It's over immediately. So his last fight, like, um, was a bit, as we say, it was a bit of a street fight, swing rugged. I, Anatoly, this work and control, show how good you are. It was so more patient. When you know you have that power, it's like Golovkin, Triple G. He can just walk you down, just so comfortable sitting outside the pocket of the range and just chops you down like chopping at a tree. And it just lands that beautiful shot. Anatoly is the first time you've seen him patience chopping the body up and down. I do believe if he fights Arjan Buller next, like he's his um, first guy that with more boxing like tests. You know, he's got a good boxing background also, but and a good wrestling background. But Anatoly's wrestling is phenomenal, and this fight has to happen because Anatoly's going to show him who's the strongest in the ground, strongest with punch, strongest, smartest with boxing. Uh, this fight has to happen. Yeah, it's and it's I. Th- for yourself, like you said, you're you're going home to Ireland. The, you said the first time in eight years, yeah. but this year is going to probably be one of your busiest, right? Yeah, it's crazy start of the year. So Fabricio Andre, like he's fighting John Lineker. Um, 
was meant to be in Jakarta, but now it's got moved to Bangkok on the 25th of February. So it's local, it's like oh, history, I'm, you I'm know. I'm going. Yeah, and this kid is like, what can I say about the Brazilians? Something about them, I love training with them. You know, they're just humble guys. They look after their bodies and they just love life and they love fighting. Like it, They're similar to the Irish. I've got a real close bond with the Brazilians and uh, nobody outworks for ratio. This kid is hardest worker, so dedicated. Everything to the tier is covered. You know, some days I was doing like serious intense workouts like and these guys are hanging the next day. Like they're doing the same program. Anatoly also for a heavyweight. Anatoly's coming in going, Oh Johnny, I can't move, you know. So he's going back Spending time with his family, lacking sleep. Fabrizio is going home, getting a two-hour massage, going to bed early, coming in fresh as it is. This guy is the next champ. He's already the champion, just the uncrowned champion. I think if you watch his last fight, it was like a, a bit of a his first big titan shot. His life's changing after this fight. It was a rush, you know, a, fo- a forced fight. And a little mistake cost him. He was on his way out. Wasn't it, it was like a low kick, they tried to say? Yeah, but it wasn't really. Hit on the cup, yeah. So, but Why do you think, I mean, most fans watching that, they were kind of like, that's bullshit. Like, that guy just looking for a way out. Why do you think the ref even let that let him well, go out? I mean, just watch the read. You've, you've got, if you get hit, you have to stop. But that was John Lennigan's chance to say, wow, I've just been basically murdered. Like, the Fabricio's power is phenomenal. And um, he's like, no way am I going back in. So now this fight, he has to like come and say, okay, maybe I had an off night. I've got to still prove I'm the king. I said to Fabricio, there I go, let him come. I go, you're going to inflict bad pain early. Relax, more relax. This fight's special. He's going to make history in Bangkok. Yeah, I mean, I guess John Lineker should have just went back in and let it finish because now he's got to take a second beating. Yeah. Like, but can the refs... If when they're re-watching that tape, I mean, it didn't look that bad. Can they not be like, no, go fuck yourself. Like, you're good to go. I know, I know. It should be like right? that, shouldn't it, you know? Should look at the, the foresight with Peter and Aljamain, too, is the same thing, wasn't it? Like, you know? Well, that that's a bit different. It is a knee to the head, but for sure, I mean, the Oscar goes, too. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean... A, a knee to the head and a cup kick. Uh, yeah. it's, it's very different. I don't know. Yeah. Any chance they're going to take the... If, yeah. if if you're losing a fight, all you want to do is win. And you know you're losing. You have no way. How do you get past these guys? And the guy says to you, just stay there. You're gonna. It's going to be a draw or you're going to yeah. win. You're going to well, stay. Well, G- Galjo here, you got your podcast, uh, Nomando Podcast. Yeah. Right, maybe g- uh, give a little shout out to your Portuguese, Portuguese yeah, uh, was Brazilian like, fans. It's speaking funny Portuguese. to see you speaking. I'm Brazilian as well, you know, and it's nice to see you talking about us like that, you know. And I follow Fabricio on, on Instagram and I see his training sessions and and his fights, like, and the way that for this drive yeah. that you say, we say in Portuguese that the person has sangue in the world, is like has blood in his eyes, yeah. you know, like, like, you see that the guys want it so much, you know, like nobody can take it out, f- like from yeah. him, you know, like. Yeah, this is the you know the the Brazilian way. That it's, they have one million sayings, and they ah, then the Brazil is. <laughs> I, love, I love this shit. It's, it's great. Can I enjoy this opportunity and 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 and, and invite 
Fabrizio through you to come to No Mundo yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll we'll I'll I'll talk to him after and yeah, if nice. He, if he wants to to it would be nice, yeah. man, to yeah. have because I'm doing it here as well and and okay. talking to Brazilian people about their yeah. lives here and. I've been following him and you ha you had some uh people from Phuket Fight Club. Yeah, right? Leo Elias, uh Leo oh, Elias, yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara, Barbara yeah, yeah. Gia came, yeah. Alison, yeah. uh yeah, Nando from here came as yeah, well, yeah. you know, like yeah. And I'm still waiting for Lobo and all the okay. others to well, come. Well Lobo's right here. He's in he's at Revolution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he is in, in Phuket Fight Club, I think. Ah, did he move? Yeah, Lobo Phuket Fight Club, yeah. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. there, I don't know if it's the same Lobo, maybe there's another one. No, there, there's a Lobo that fights in one. He was at Revolution here. I don't know if it's the same guy. I really? don't think it's the same because ah. this one is Muay Thai fighter. Ah, it's okay, not okay. MMA fighter. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I didn't even realize until you said that. I mean, living in Asia and in, in, um, in Phuket, Thailand for such a long period of time, when you go over to places like uh, Koh Phi Phi, you see the Brazilians and the Russians, they're very similar. But what I didn't realize is that There are so many Brazilians living in Dublin. Yeah. Why uh, is that? Do they have? Is there some sort of connection there? I don't know what would take them there for that right? weather. Anyway, it's so cold, isn't it? No. <laughs> right. And, and the funny it's part because is because it's the only place that uh, it's love. Is I've been to Dublin, but also because uh, when you go studying abroad, yeah. and you can you, you can work. As, as you are studying. Uh, yes. In other countries, you can. Um, before in London, you could. Nowadays, you cannot. In America, you cannot. So in Australia and Dublin. So, yeah. Okay. yeah and Dublin is a beautiful city. Yeah? It's a beautiful place. Well, so I yeah. mean, when you're, especially most Brazilians, they're English initially. It's not the yeah. best if you're oh, coming yeah. out of Brazil. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know if Ireland's the best place to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most people come to Ireland, they think Dublin, and they go Dublin. Right. But if you go outside that, kind of like where I'm from, up around like the, the coast and all, it's beautiful. Like, yeah. you know, it's outside of it. But yeah, speaking on uh, the Brazilians, the start of the year, I think it was January. Marlon Marias came over and done a camp with me. Oh, yeah. I love that camp with that guy. This guy is the coolest guy yeah. and hard worker. Like, uh, to this day, I still haven't, uh, nobody's beat it. Like, if I said to Marlon, okay, 7 a.m. tomorrow, okay, that guy will be there about 6.40. Yeah. I don't like nobody coming in before me. I've got to be in first. So the next thing, the next day, I would be in five minutes for him. The next day, he was in five minutes for me. <laughs> I was going on. We're in at six in the morning. You know? And I go, Marlon, what time tomorrow? I go, seven. Okay, six in. <laughs> I, 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 I love training. He was, I, he was playing man. a game of chess with the coach. Yeah, it was good. I, I love that competition, you know. Like like some old guys, they come in like a minute or two late. I said, birthday time, let's go. Mm. And then old guys are early, you know, so... He looks But, uh, to be a very nice guy as well. Marlon yeah. is the coolest guy, you know. He didn't have the best of a run this last few fights, you know. Um, same thing, finding out new ways, new, mm. new, new team members. But is he in one now? He's PFL, PFL, PFL. But yeah. he, anybody lost his first is fight? Uh, yeah, no? he lost. It was it was winning the fight. It was winning, and then he just got caught. You know, did it clean? That's a few fights now. Do, do you think it's like? similar to like uh there's a certain point in a fighter's career like for example cordy garbrandt where yeah. kind of the chin just goes it goes it's like a lot of these kids remember the fighting since kids and your your brain's like a sponge and only to absorb so much and then it starts to go like oh you don't absorb them as good 
And once it goes, it's hard to get back. There's only so many. You can't put muscles on the chin, you know. There's only so many neck falls up and down, like those school tie mm. ways you can do. But um, I say it's hard. You you don't have the same punch resistance. It's always in the back of your head, you know. Yeah, it, it kind it's of hard. Seems like that might have. I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, I was yeah. a fan of Marlon. I, I am a fan of Marlon, but it's it seems like now. Yeah. How old is he? He's not that. He's probably 33, 32. Marlon could still fight. Marlon yeah. could just change his style, go out and wrestle. The guy's that smart. He never gets to show his uh, ground game or his wrestling. Yeah. And if it does stand up, this he can bang. Like the, I'll tell you how I know about it because one day, someday I um, do reaction work with him, Mr. Punch. Both flush of my nose. It just landed <laughs> on me like, oh, sorry, sorry. He can hit. I felt it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm. I think he was even. Was he fighting Cejudo for a belt at one point? Yeah, and he he, he uh, knocked out Aljamain too. Like you right. know, just with a knee. Remember, it was like a kick turning the knee. Like he he's fought the best of the best. Um, it's it's just a shame to it. When did the end from you know? And people don't want to see that. He, Martin is the king inside and out. Mm. He is. When you're seeing people come through the gym at Tiger, now, your relationship as a boxing coach, I talked to, so Syed was on, on the, the podcast, yeah. and I asked him his relationship as a manager, and it kind of spills over into friendship as well. It's like, yeah. I'm more than a manager. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship with yours, let's call them students as well, like that yeah. you're training? Does it spill over into friendship? Are you doing dinners, or is it strictly coaching in and out of the gym? I'm a old school guy. I stick to myself. You, you, you won't see me out and even I go home and spend time with my wife and all, and that's it. And put my head down. I, I'm not a guy to go out and dinners and stuff. Um, I have a really good relationship, you know. Every fighter I work with, like sending it videos and stuff, you know. And also, Syed, Syed is a big help to me, you know. Get like when you think about it. I'm 36. I'm a young coach. Like, like there's not many coaches at 36 that's won UFC belts and won championships belt. It's it's history alone. And people like Syed, I, I could ask Syed, what do you think? He, he's given me a lot of great advice, you know, because in COVID, life changed for everybody. Like, there's opportunities coming up and Big opportunities, life-changing financial opportunities was coming at me. All of a sudden, all these options coming at me. I was like, whoa. I was. I spoke to Syed. I was like, Syed, what do I do here? And he gave me the best advice. And it's the best thing ever happened. I'm, I'm in a great place. Like, you know, it's good to have these people around. What What did he say specifically? I just gave me on advice and coaches and all, like what's happened to all coaches and what you think to do. And uh, it, it was good. Like, on, it was on the last fight. Camp too with Peter. Just had a good chat and was very helpful. Syed's number one manager. He looks after all his fighters. Look what he does. Like them guys a couple of years ago was only getting going. Now you look at the stable of fighters they have. Some of the best in the world. Yeah, it's it's. I I asked him about that about that because. He gets stuck in these predicaments. Like for example, he has a fight this weekend. They're both his fighters. Yeah, and it's so. Um, I I, know, I didn't get to ask him that question, but at that time he was saying they they have to fight each other. Have to. And I mean that's kind of a coin flip fight. I I know how it feels too because I I've done a lot of work with Demir, and then our man was over and his his coach went away for it. He's like, coach, can you help me for a couple of times? Like, so 
So I done like two or three sessions, and I felt bad doing it. Like I was like, I know how sad feel, so just made the best man when they have to sit yeah, back. Yeah. So I saw Armin's at at Tiger. Is Demir also there? Uh, he was there, and then he went to American Top Team specifically for this camp. Or uh, sometimes it comes in and out. Like he, he changes a lot, you know. Okay. So does uh, Demir change here, here? So most of them guys do that, you know. Um. I've got a more of a sensitive question, but it's not that that, that it's more from the business side of, of the sport. Um, a lot of people will argue on UFC and fighter pay, and we can go down that road. I don't want to go down that. Yeah. But I've always wondered, what about coach pay? What about trainer pay? What about strength and conditioning? What about what about your BJJ coach? All these people play a very important role in your team, and my understanding is the people that are going to be getting their cut as a percentage of what the fighter is going to win is usually the cornerman and the manager. What about the SNC coach or the boxing coach or the jujitsu coach that is strictly a part of that team only for that aspect? Um, do you foresee them getting more involved into the fighters because they're pretty much still only getting paid hourly? Um, yeah. Every every fighter's different. They have their own team members, and some fi fighters might look after them better. It just depends, you know. Uh, I find out, like... And then you can see, like, some coaches try to do more than their job, step into all people's departments and all as well. So there's a... It just comes down to the fighter and the main coach, you know. And then to build, like, with Anatoly... We we got like a serious routine. Like there's nobody steps in or does anything. Some more guys might come and go. Oh, I've got this coach. You got to work with or this. It's a bit different, you know. Mm. But uh, most fighters they they do look after you, you know, uh, or what agreement they have. I don't know. But this year's been very like my life's changing mm. every day now. You know, it's starting to take off now when you go back to 2018 and you're fresh getting into tiger into this kind of you know taking over this this boxing not just the class but the entire program at tiger yeah could you even imagine at that time to where you are today uh i remember going wow i, I love tigers big you've been in there yeah it's like massive gym facilities and i remember seeing the boxing program i was like Oh, I know what I could do if I was here. I didn't think at the time I would be here, but fast forward now, it's like I was looking the day and the class was packed and good fights. And I was like, whoa, uh, there's a good structure and I'm in a happy place. Your your first championship fighter was Petra Young, correct? Yeah. Was there a point where things clicked? Like, holy shit, like I'm actually... Because now you're creating your your resume, your, yeah. your let's call it your coaching portfolio, and you're just adding belts to it as well. Was there a day, or can you remember a specific time when you kind of realized, holy shit, like I'm now, I'm leveling up to that next level as well? Yeah, it's like, I, like I'm a, I write down goals at the start of the year, and I was just looking, like I've done every goal, right? I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm changing goals now, like, I also wrote that I'm going to start tapping into the boxing more. And I think back, and I wrote down, I go, I'm going to train the elite best of the best. I just done a full month's camp with Tim Zoo. Like, he's fighting for all the belts in boxing. I was looking like Shemaev and guys like that, and Darren Tiller. I was like, whoa. I was like, it's, when you look back, it's like, wow, it's been a crazy year. Like, and... uh 
I believe I'm just warming up. I'm only getting going. I have so many goals for next year. Things are changing. Uh, even like like what Anna Toy is telling me goes, one guy's changing, we're all changing. Like all my friends and fighters are all buying villas now. Fourteen mm. million figure. Peter Yan's looking for villas. They go next time. It's villa time for you, John. You know, it's changing. Crazy. Yeah, you're all growing together because I can imagine when Peter Young first came in 2000, let's call it 16, I think it was when I first saw him. Yeah. I, I would assume him coming in, he was he probably I don't want to say he didn't have a penny to his name, but yeah. he's when you're starting fresh in the UFC and to watch those fighters go from like, you know, they're budgeting probably yeah, yeah. to where they are now. I mean, it must be. Uh, it's uh, like for Peter, I, I grew a very close bond with him. Um, like at the start, I was only just starting coaching. I never wanted a penny of Peter, but I grew really close to him. And we, he hadn't had no English, um, my accent at the time. Now it's settled down a bit, but it was like a thick Irish accent. Nobody understood me, you know, and we just kind of clicked. And like year after year, then, like just not long ago, 30 days ago, they landed like. A brand new truck outside the yeah. thing for me. I was like, wow, they're just giving back now. You know, I was like, whoa, they didn't have to do that. You know, I, I would have, I'd bend my back backwards to them guys. Like, you know, and yeah, I think that vi video went pretty viral across all the viral, MMA yeah, community. Even uh, McGregor's people and all shared it back in Ireland. And if them guys went back to Ireland, they're legends. Like, mm. yeah, it was good. Uh, do you coming from Ireland and, and now heavy into the MMA community, you know, adding all these belts to your resume and Connor from, from Ireland, do you guys connect at all? Uh, we spoke a bit on Twitter. Like, um, it, Peter got ranked above him in boxing and he says, I'm the best. And I go, all due respect, Connor, I go, Peter's number one. Like that time Peter was training hard and active. And then he tweeted back. It was all due all good down to his Irish coaching. It was like, nice tweet, you yeah. know. And then he offered us over to, to spar in Dublin. He said, take Peter over, we'll spar and see who number one is. <laughs> but uh, I haven't really spoke much to him. One day, uh, he had a, I shouldn't have done it really, but I wanted it. And uh, he was hitting southpaw pads with his coach. And Fabricio was on fire. And I go, Fabricio, look at the difference here. I go, this tag him and I tagged him. I go, come over for some real training. I shouldn't have done it, but I haven't heard from him since. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's getting tagged all over the place yeah, all day, no, right? No. So it's, yeah. it's hard to filter through all that stuff. But, you know, the guy's a legend. What he's done for the sport. I know people talk about him now, ah, this and this. Even if it doesn't fight, he creates media. He creates tension. If he fights, Ireland shuts down. Everybody sits up to four in the morning to watch it. No matter what, if they say no, they won't. I can guarantee you they'll watch it. Like, well, he's bringing way more eyes to the entire community of yeah, MMA yeah. as well. And I noticed over the years talking to people from Ireland, their opinions constantly change on what they think of him. What is the current sentiment of their the Irish people on their thoughts of Conor McGregor? Yeah, uh, for me, I don't like seeing that because like people say, I ah, just. Right enough, it sh maybe he shouldn't have hit the old guy and stuff like this. But there's always, like, um, two sides to the story. We don't know that that guy could have been the most mafious guy, like, and it's the most, ah, sh whatever, we don't know. But uh, what he's done in sport, 
alone is like in his round of applause. Like nobody's done what he's done. Yeah, it's very and, and you're watching the UFC trying to do it with other athletes like your Sean O'Malley's, your Patty yeah, Pimblets and it's never gonna no. there's never gonna be another Conor McGregor. Maybe one day, but definitely like there's nothing on the radar right no. now. Not even close. It's just the way he talked, the belief in you know, um I, I listen to a lot to his words and like his powerful his words. What he says, he he believes it so much and it really does happen for him, like And it's that uh, I mean, my, I don't want, I'll never go down that road. You know, you get these, I'm Canadian and they pretend they're Irish. Well, Brendan O'Neill, pretty Irish name, but my yeah. great, my great grandparents. Oh, it's an Irish name for sure. But the, the <laughs> one thing with the Irish that we're good at, and I think it's in my blood as well. And, and guy, I'm not comparing myself to Conor McGregor. The Irish, they're very quick off the cuff. Yeah. And it's usually a lot of the stuff that he's saying He's not sitting down pen to paper and planning that shit out. Like, he had that it factor. You know, he could back it up with the banter. Yeah. It's world-class backup with world-class banter. Yeah. And that's kind of what the it factor was with him. It is. Yeah. And he's an entertainer, isn't he? He puts people on seats, you know, the talk. He gets people hyped up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So 2023, and just before we wrap this up now, we're probably around the hour mark. 2023 is coming up. you got a lot in your plate. Um, a lot of championship fights. You said you like to sit down and you write your goals. Yeah. When are you sitting down to that pen and pad? What are your goals for 2023? Uh, I've already changed the words on my Instagram's history time. Like, first fight is for uh, the one championship belt for Bricio Andre. It's going to make history. Anatoly's March belt, history three belt. Uh, Muhammad Mikhaev, we're taming him this year. We're getting that belt. Uh, Peter Ann, he's going to come back and make a statement, show why he's the real number one. Like, That's uh, a big year. I, I know I just, uh, we're only warming up. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a lot for, to get that headspace around and also mentally prepare. Let's just yeah. hope the weather holds up because it's been horrendous the past couple months. Here. Yeah, it's been and you've had And you've had to train through that shit. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Like, you know, as I say, it gets a bit much to the rain, but as I say, when you're hungry and goes, it there's nothing stopping you, you know. Uh, we're kind of, we're booked now to go to Ireland the 22nd. And I was just looking at the weather. It was in minus nine over there. I'm thinking, four or five day trip. Whoa, I don't know. It's going to be hard. You're kind of, you're just going to kind of do Christmas, New Year's and get in and out. You know, it's, it's, it's I want to take my wife and all that, like, you know, experience. She's been, Right beside me all year, no weekends away. I've just put my head down all year, and uh, it's more for her. But now that all oh, this work's just coming in so fast, I'm like, it's put me in a bad place. So hopefully, I can just go put the head down, small break, and come back and attack next year. Well, I mean, you know, life sometimes it hits you with certain opportunities, and yeah. it's either you just power through or you miss them. Yeah. And it's when you're 50, 60, you don't, you, you don't want to look back and be like, fuck, I should have, you know, but yeah. I mean, you, you have that mentality. You're ready yeah. to drive through and who knows where that's now going to lead into the future. Do you yeah. see yourself, um, maybe one day kind of eventually going back to Ireland, opening up a gym? Are there any long-term plans? No, uh, I'll be in Thailand for a long time. I have a house here now. It's, it's villa time. We're all going villas. That's the next goal. Yeah. Villa, the pool. Thailand's number one. Yeah, same one. here. We, we, our, our next goal is the same thing. It's like, we're going to get out of this uh, condo right on the beach. 
We're we're leveling up villa style. It's That's not next. bad here. It's good here, isn't it? The, uh, there are villas back there. I just love the fact, like I said, I can literally walk out my door and yeah. I can go to the beach just in my bathing suit and barefoot. Yeah. I love that. I used to live in Australia as well, yeah. and I miss that feeling. You know how I I was in the Gold Coast, and yeah. I love that feeling where in Australia, you can just get in the car barefoot, yeah. go to the grocery store, bathing suit, no shirt, and do your groceries barefoot. Yeah, like, they don't give a shit that. over that. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's life, the freedom. Yeah. I, I like Brisbane and the Gold Coast too. It was good. I boxed up there. For the in Brisbane? Yeah. I'd done a camp up there. I think it was called Hope Island, a big, like, fancy island, all big villas and all train there. It was good, you know. But nothing beats Thailand. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the, the cost of living in those places now is just, it's mental. Here is, it's, uh, I, you can spend nothing or spend a lot. You you make that decision, but I just want to be in a position now next year, like to give back. I want to take my mother out here and look after her. You now she, my granny's old. She's eighty seven. She's waiting on me to go back to see her. Like anything ever happens to her, my mother's back there just on her own. I'm gonna it's time to take her over and look after. Her. And she would she other than the weather because. Is that she would come I've over? Had her, I've took her over here before. She loved it. But okay. now she's looking after my granny, you know. Yeah. It's an Irish thing. And then it's my turn to give back because I wouldn't be here today without her. Like, mm. she pushed me to sports all my life. And uh, and it's, it's good to give back. Yeah, and also being able to be closer to the family as well. Yeah, that's it, you know. And Do you have brothers and sisters there? I have a brother that lives in... Uh, he lived in Birmingham, England, but he's just moved back home. He's building a house there. I've got a sister there as well, and a little niece, you know. So, uh, Yeah, it's the, the struggles of Thailand. But, I mean, you can't have everything as well. Uh, it's hard to, you know, and especially, well, Canada's, we're 12-hour time zone. Oh, you guys must only be eight. It's not the end. It's not too Yeah, bad. seven hours. Yeah, see, seven that's, hours, for yeah. me, it's hard. It's, yeah. I got to call at 9 p.m. at night, you know. And then yeah. when you get on the phone, it's, my mom's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm, Cause I go to bed at nine thirty, and it's like, uh, you know, you're trying yeah. to have a conversation, but it's not easy, and yeah. vice versa. You yeah. call them in the morning, and they're like sleeping on the couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna wrap it up there. Oh, that's an interesting angle. Um, I'm gonna shoot it. Which camera is he at? Uh, he's in that one. This one here. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're gonna cut to this camera. If you can just let everyone know, like, where they can find you. I'm assuming probably on Instagram is the easiest way, and yeah, take it from there. Yeah, uh, Instagram, John Boy Boxing, or Facebook, John Boy Boxing. That's it. We'll put those tags there. We'll leave links in the description. Uh, that ends another episode. We hope you enjoyed the clickbait of watching and jumping on uh, and the new style of the podcast format. Let us know in the comments what you thought of our new lunatic clickbait style, and if you liked it or hated it, hey, we're trying new things, so we're out. Thank you. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs>